Well, friends, I just want to remind you that um, this, uh, we were doing a sermon series called The Best Year Ever. And the scriptures I chose originally was John 1, 43 to 51, and then John 14, 10 to 14. But I want to add John 2, right? John 2, verses 1 through 11. And, and actually, that was and that is the text assigned um, as a lectionary reading for this, this Sunday. So listen to the word of God. John said... Chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, to the servants standing nearby, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, Though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is still the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Um, remember, our theme is the best year ever. And for our closing message here, I offer the title, Greater. 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 Let us pray. Oh, gracious and holy God, we give you thanks for this day. We thank you, oh God, that we are still able to worship together, to hear a word, to sing songs to your praises, Lord God, and to your glory, even if by the medium of technology. We thank you, oh God, that we stay connected to one another and to you. And so, God, in this time still of preaching and teaching, of listening and learning, we ask that you send the preacher Help me to preach, O oh God, by your Holy Spirit, and that may your spirit get up in the hearing of those who will listen to this message, and may they be blessed, O oh God, and encouraged to be your people into the world, not just hearers, but doers, so that your name might be praised, your son glorified, and your kingdom on earth advanced. And we pray this and every prayer in the sweet name of the living God, and his name is Jesus. And it is marvelous to our ears. Amen, amen, and amen. Y'all, one of my favorite scriptures is Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us. This scripture gives me a vision of what is possible with God because I have a vivid and great imagination. And if God can do exceedingly and abundantly more than I can think, ask, or imagine, then God is truly able to do the impossible. 
I cannot tell you how many times in my life that I have needed a vision of something greater. Something greater than my past, something greater than my mistakes and my missteps, something greater than my circumstances and greater than my abilities, and even greater than the world. And it seems to me that a vision of greater is even more important these days as we endure not just another surge of COVID, but also the unrelenting divisions of this country, as well as our unending struggle to live faithfully and fully into the truth we proclaim to be self-evident and central to our, our, our identity as a country, that all people, all persons are created equal. As we prepare to celebrate another MLK Day, it is hard not to remember that King offered a vision of greater. He offered a vision of the beloved community. He offered a vision of greater humanity, a vision of greater love, a vision of greater justice that was rooted not just in the words of the founding father, that was rooted not just in the words of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States, but in the living word of God. And it is the living word of God, both the written word and the living word of, that is Jesus, that gives us a vision of what is possible, of what God has promised and what God invites those of us who have decided to follow Jesus to be able to see, to be able to strive for, and to be able to share with others. And that is something greater. Something more than our immediate surrounding. Something that lights our way forward. Something that enables us to see beyond our circumstances and the darkness of this world to God's greater for us. God's greater for our families, our churches, our communities, and that's right, y'all, even our country. Today, as we conclude our series, The Best Year Ever, we turn to the Gospel of John and stories of greater. Now, I've got to just be honest here. My, one of my professors, Gail O'Day, and Gail has passed on, but she was one of the top Johannine scholars in this country. And I can't, I can't, I will never forget Gail saying this, that the gospel of John was kind of, was like fine china that you bring out on special occasions to communicate something marvelous about God. And it is John's gospel that Jesus reveals his glory through signs, objects, and actions that point to something greater than themselves, but to the very person of Jesus and his mission in the world. And throughout the gospel, these signs will grow more and more spectacular. Let me provide some context to Jesus's, to our first reading, and Jesus' promise of greater to Nathaniel. Andrew is with John. If you go back early in that chapter, John sees Jesus walking by, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And two of John's disciples immediately leaves and begin to follow Jesus. And one of those disciples is Andrew. And upon getting to know, encountering Jesus, Andrew goes and gets his brother Simon. And brings him to Jesus. And when Jesus sees Simon, he says, oh, I know you. You are Peter, the rock. And Simon has an encounter with Jesus and is transformed. And then they go and they, they're heading. And the text says that they're, they're moving to the next town. 
and they encounter Philip when they go to Galilee. And in finding Philip, he says to him, Jesus says to Philip, follow me. And Philip immediately upon his encounter with Jesus begins to follow Jesus, listening to him. And then because they're all from Bethesda, they find Nathaniel. Philip goes to Nathaniel and says, we have found the one of whom Moses has talked about in the law and who the prophets wrote about. Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth, and Nathaniel is like, you got to be kidding. Who from where can anything good come out of Nazareth? And the word that he says to him, that Philip says, is just come and see. And it is in Nathaniel's encounter with Jesus when he says, um, I know you, I saw you sitting under the fig tree, and that blows Nathaniel's mind. It just blows his mind that Jesus has seen him, that Jesus knows him. And Jesus, I guess, is a little incredulous and said, Man, if that did it, man, I've got this going to be greater. You are going to see greater things than these. And that is what he's promised those greater things. And as the gospel story unfolds in John, that is what we see again and again the vision of what's possible, of greater miracles. They saw Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman in chapter 4, breaking down barriers that long separated people and limited their understanding of the inclusiveness of God. They saw the healing of the official son and a man who had been in a situation so long for 38 years that he and everyone else could not imagine a different future for him. And he couldn't imagine a different life for himself. Thousands would be fed with an offering freely given and one that is blessed. A woman caught in adultery will be forgiven and everyone in the town will be transformed by the grace of God. The lame begin to walk, the dumb begin to talk, the blind begin to see, and the dead come back to life. All of this is what those who walk with Christ who are disciples of Jesus get a glimpse of his glory. This is what they get to see, a vision of new life. They get to see what is possible and what God has promised for us and for the whole world. And at the end of his life, when his earthly ministry is coming to an end, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. That's right, the living word of God, the one who was with God in the beginning, washes his disciples' feet and tells them that whoever believes in him will do the works that he has been doing. And get this, they will do even greater things than these. And I can't help, maybe it's just me, but I want to go, really, Jesus? We're supposed to do greater things than what you have done? It's almost too much to believe, isn't it? But I get it. Following Jesus, being his disciples, is more than about coming to church, y'all. It is about believing and actualizing and living into the promises of God. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Greater is what is in me because Jesus has gone to the Father and the Spirit dwells in me. It's not just about coming to church. It is about the promise of greater. 
It is about committing to God's vision of justice and mercy, of healing and wholeness, of overflowing abundance and blessing. It's about God's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven, and we're the ones who's supposed to make it happen. This is not just supposed to be our prayer, y'all. It is supposed to be our purpose. And we, we who are disciples who have encountered, who have had an encounter with Christ and a glimpse of his glory are called to do greater. And greater is possible even now, even in the midst of COVID, even in the midst of all these divisions, even in the midst of what's going on in Washington. I know the past two years may have dimmed our vision. And maybe we have focused more on our situation than our destination. But I can't help but think of my grandmother who caught a glimpse of God's promise of greater. You see, my grandmother lived and worked her entire life as a domestic and one of her places of employment was at the University of South Carolina. And when she was a young woman in her day, black people couldn't walk on USC's campus unless they were working there. They had to walk around. And if you go where the university is, it is in the smack dab middle along with the state house in the center of Columbia. That's a lot of walking around because they couldn't walk on the state house grounds either. My grandmother worked as a maid in the women's quad for many years. And she also worked as a domestic for Dean Figg. And, and y'all, I didn't know, but I thought Dean was his first name. But Dean wasn't his first name. Dean was his title. He was dean of USC's law school. And part of the pantheon of people who upheld, tried to uphold the Briggs case, dealing with segregation. But my grandmother, y'all, got to see greater. My grandmother got to see the grace of God. She didn't give in to the despair and the darkness of her times. And I'm not saying it was always easy. I'm not saying that she didn't have any struggles. But what I am saying is that she trusted in the promises of God. She believed in Jesus that her tomorrow wouldn't be like her today. She believed her beginning may be small, but her latter days would be great. And on the day that I was hooded with my PhD, the first African-American to get a PhD in international relations theory and practice at the University of South Carolina. She told my mother that she wanted to go and we cried, tried to say, Granny, it, it, it'll be too much. All that. And she said, I don't care if you got to wheel me in there. I'm going to see this greater. I'm going to see my granddaughter get a PhD from the school where I had to clean toilets. Don't you tell me God can't do greater. Friends, as we prepare to celebrate another MLK holiday, I hope that we will not limit ourselves to service projects, speeches, marches, and don't get me wrong, all of that is good and fine. But King caught a glimpse of the greater vision of God. King was committed to doing God's greater work in the world. He refused to be deterred by the darkness of his time. He held fast to God's vision of what is possible. And this is our time. Not to have our eyes dimmed by the darkness of division. 
Not to have our focus on the failure of the politics in Washington, D.C., but to focus on Jesus and his call and his vision of greater. May we who say that we are following Jesus not just catch a glimpse, but be committed to bringing about God's greater glory for the world. And y'all, I want to tell you, I added that story about the Cana, um, the water to wine at the end. And you want to know why I added it? Because when I read it and reread it, what caught my eye was Mary. And I know when I read the text, Jesus comes off a little cheeky to his mama, but I believe he did a little bit like what I would do with my mother when my mama's trying to get me to do something that I don't want to do. Go pray for somebody else. Go over here and I, because I'm the pastor. And I believe Jesus was just going, Mother. He says it's not his time, but Mary does something. She acts. Mary knows that if she doesn't do something, Mary has compassion on, on the bridegroom. She, she doesn't want them to be known by their shame and disappointment, by the dishonor of having the wine run out. The wine which meant the harvest and the blessing of God and hospitality. She didn't want that to be their legacy. She didn't want them not to have joy on their day. She had compassion for them, and she acted because Mary, too, y'all, was a disciple of Jesus. She knew who Jesus was and what he came to do. And the other part of that story that catches me, that y'all just maybe, just maybe, that miracle wasn't just about the wine for the people who were drinking. Because the slaves took, and they were the slaves most likely, they took the wine to the chief steward who was the one overseeing everything, and he didn't remember getting that good wine. And what if this was really about the servants? What if the miracle was for them, y'all? What if the miracle was for them, the least of them? It is they who enjoyed the gift of the miracle, even if they didn't get to taste the wine. They could taste and see that the world was somehow about to change in Jesus Christ. Because I believe they went home that day with a glimpse of God's glory and an expanded vision of what was possible, even for them. Friends, if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ and you have a glimpse of God's glory, and the longer and the further we walk with Christ and get into his word, the more that vision of who and what we are called to be and do should be coming into focus. And then we need to be like Mary. And we need to do something because the time is now for God's people to share the vision. Amen. 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 Friends, we are not here in the sanctuary. And so we have a amended service. And as we prepare to depart from this place, I want you to, I want you to get the vision in mind. I want you to hear God. King's dream again, but I want you to go back to Luke chapter 4 and hear Jesus say that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I want you to read that every day this week. When people are talking about King, I want you to read about Jesus because you need to know where King got his dream from. It was rooted in the Word of God. 
may we be so rooted so that we might remember and that we might be committed to greater vision. Amen.